the breath is our most common, our most loyal, our most faithful companion on this journey of being alive, on this journey of embodiment. So if we learn how to develop a relationship with the breath, it'll be life-changing. So for example, there, there are swamis in India that have that much control over their body that they can tell the heart to slow down, and it does. Some of them go so deep into that state of being that, that they achieve these states that almost impossible to distinguish from death. Now, most of us are not, never gonna have that level of control over the body, but any one of us, anybody, can slow down the breath. I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Christian de la Huerta is a spiritual teacher, breathwork practitioner, and author who has been doing retreats and workshops for over 30 years. He has also authored several books, including Awakening the Soul of Power and Coming Out Spiritually. In his work, he focuses on empowering people, helping them to overcome fears and transcend past drama, and how to have conscious, intentional relationships. Christian de la Huerta has also been a speaker at many conferences and events, and he has traveled all over the world. How are you doing, Christian? Did I say your name right? Yeah, you said it's good. It's good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, Junaid. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. We were talking in the green room, and I love what you said. You like the digital nomad life where most of your stuff is in storage, but it's freeing. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I've been doing the digital nomad thing for the last year. I've been doing retreats and workshops, live events for mm -hmm. 30 years up until, yeah. of course, the pandemic hit. And then it was incredibly challenging in many ways. My income came to a screeching halt overnight. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, there's been many blessings. I was able to finish a book that I was working on in my head for 10 years. I've known for years that I needed to create virtual online programming if I was going to reach people from all over the world who may never come to one of my live events. Yeah. And so the pandemic forced my hand and I did that. And now it's freed me up. All I need is good Wi-Fi. I can be anywhere. Good Wi-Fi and I can be anywhere. That is so true, especially in this world of 
digital connectivity with everything. It's so important to have good connection. And this is my solution focused person coming out because <laughs> I'm always looking at solutions. I've been doing this for 20 plus years. Have you looked at Starlink? I have not, but I've okay. heard about it. All right. So that's probably something that you want to invest in. It's not that much. It's the internet anywhere you want satellite. This is, of course, being deployed by SpaceX, Elon Musk's foundation. It'll get you some really fast Wi-Fi for sure. So next time you're out in the wilderness and I want to do Wi-Fi, do some live events and pe teach people, that's something that you can really count on. Yeah, that's great to know. I've heard, I'd heard that it wasn't available anywhere yet, but I'll look into it again. Now, a friend of mine, she's based out of Canada and she's got the DSL speed, but then every once in a while it goes down. So they're like, hey, we need a backup because we're live streaming where people and connecting with people. So she ended up ordering one of these guys and now she's got a pretty solid connection. Oh, good to know. I'll look into it again. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I love what you talked about, the freeing. It enabled you to write this book. It enabled you to just pour onto, all into it and introduce to the entire ecosystem that's been around digital media and digital content creation and to be able to reach out to so many people. What inspired you or take a walk through memory lane with us? And you mentioned that for 30 years, you've been doing live events. So tell me how that started. I guess it all started in, in Cuba. I was born in Cuba under Castro. So I lived in a communist regime for the first 10 years of my life. Wow. And then we came to the States and it was not a fun transition. I didn't speak a word of English and we landed in this small rural town in the middle of Georgia. And I was mm -hmm. the only one in my class who spoke Spanish. So it was one of those sink or swim situations. And yeah. they didn't take very kindly to foreigners, I have to say, to people who were different, looked yeah. or sounded different. And, and I was shy as a kid. I was introverted. I was a great student. But here's an interesting story I think will be supportive to your audience. I had pretty much a 4.0 in high school, except for one B at which I got my last semester. And I didn't set out to do this consciously, but looking back on it, I know, I have no doubt that subconsciously I sabotaged my GPA because at that point in my life, there is no way, like no humanly possible way that I could have stood up in front of an auditorium filled with hundreds of people to deliver the valedictorian speech. So it's an example of how we allow our subconscious fears to to sabotage our dreams and our goals and our intentions. But, but the message that I want to leave your audience with is that all that stuff, all that past trauma, all those fears can be transcended and they can be healed and they mm -hmm. can be overcome. Flash forward to today. And I've spoken all over the world. I've spoken at dozens of conferences, universities, churches, bookstores, and all sorts of events. And I know that if that can happen to me, that it can happen, you know, that transcending fear that anybody can do that too. I love that. So you came to the U.S. when you were 10 or so years old, didn't speak a word of English, and now you're speaking on world stages all over the world, which is pretty fascinating. Talk to us, what was some of your influences that enabled you to 
look past what you didn't have and mm. like really go after it? That's a good question. I think I always, looking back on it, I always had a sense of mission, a sense of making a difference mm. that I interpreted in different ways at different points in my life. So for example, I, when I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be a priest. Then I even realized that the religion in which I was raised didn't have enough room for me. Then I wanted to be a psychologist. I studied, I, I had majored in psychology and I was on a track to get a PhD. My dad was a psychiatrist. So was, I, that's how it showed up at that time. Yeah. Until I discovered mindfulness and breath work and meditation, what a lot of psychology, at least back then, neglected, mm. which is the spiritual part of us, that psychology, at least then, only focused on the mind and it was mm. very rational and uh, statistically based and all that kind of stuff, which there's nothing wrong with. But for me, it didn't address the whole human. And so I started to supplement and to balance that with spiritual concepts from the East and blending them with my own, with finding my own balance with psychology yeah. and spirituality. And, but I think the main driver was, uh, has always been the same, wanting to help people, to empower people, to help the people free themselves and to make a difference in this world. Why do people want to make a difference in the world? Oh, that's a good question. I think in some, you can say that in some ways we're hardwired into that. Mm. One of my favorite books is by Brian Swim. He's a cosmologist, a physicist. and But he writes in this beautiful, very accessible, almost poetic way. Mm. So he wrote a book called The Universe is, is a Green Dragon in which he applies some of the principles that rule the stars, that govern the cosmos to the human experience, because yeah. much to the surprise of some humans, we're part of the cosmos. So we're going to be influenced and affected and ruled by the same principles that govern the stars. So he gives a, so he, but he does it in a beautiful way. For example, he talks about cosmic generosity and he uses the example of a supernova giving itself up, like in, in that ultimate act of generosity of blowing itself up what happens suns and moons and planetary systems life happens yeah and he talks about how more than 99.9 percent .9 of the atoms in our bodies are exactly the same atoms that the stars are made of so that yeah. we can literally say not poetically literally say that we are made of star stuff that yeah. we are star beings and so that means that we too have that cosmic generosity that desire to give ourselves away hardwired into us. And I, I love that frame of thinking. Man, I love that. That was a great, that was a great answer. And a great segue into now that you wanted to change the world, you found yourself speaking, learning, building the spirituality, and then the breathwork community, being the leading voice in the breathwork community, as you're doing these re retreats as you're doing and connecting with more and more people, what kept, what, what kept coming back from the people that were attending these retreats? What was some of their things that they were trying to overcome? I just want a quick correction first. I want to say that it's a leading voice, not a leading, leading voice, voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, that's a really good question. Jeanette, but there, there's definite commonalities. Everybody's mm -hmm. unique. 
And there are definitely patterns with the kind of stuff that, that people struggle with. Yeah. Relationships, almost everybody struggles with relationships and how to have relationships that have a chance of working. So that's one of the things that I focus on in my work. And that's what this next book is about is how to do relationships in a conscious, intentional way. This last book that I just published, Awakening the Soul of Power, that's another common theme. Most of us seem to struggle with issues around power. Yeah. Part of us wants it. Part of us is afraid of it. And I think what we fear is that if we really stepped into all of who we are, really stepped into our maximum power, that other people couldn't handle it and that we might end up rejected and alone, which are also common fears that a lot of people struggle with, yeah. fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. And so when we have that kind of stuff going on, what happens is that we give away our innate, inherent power that, that nobody can give to us and nobody can take away. We are the ones who give it away. And how many times have we said yes to something because we wanted to avoid, <clears throat> excuse me, avoid conflict, mm -hmm. an illusion. We didn't want to rock the boat too much. We were afraid of rejection, uh, whatever. For all these more superficial reasons, we override our true feelings. We yeah. override our preferences, our beliefs, our desires, our dreams, in, in, and settle for an illusion of acceptance and a false sense of security and crumbs of pseudo love, because it's not even authentic love if we're not presenting ourselves authentically. And she's a purpose. A lot of people, especially I think the pandemic has triggered that in, in, in a lot of people, like asking the deeper questions. What am yeah. I here for? Am I really okay selling myself out cheaply for that illusion of security of a biweekly paycheck? Mm, no, that's so true. And <clears throat> being... Being as who we are as human beings, being influenced by our environment, the television, the news, everything influences us in one way or another. And it really takes a really a strong mind to say, no, that's not me. That's not who I am. And, and it takes a lot of work for sure for all of us to develop that mental strength. <clears throat> and I believe with breath work and really focusing on your intentions and focusing on who you want to be for the people around you, I think I think there's a lot there's a lot there that people are either skirting or just too afraid to even step into it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think society conditions us to to not ask the deep existential questions like, who am I and what am I here for? And what am I here for at a soul level, at a mission level? Like society just wants us to, we're conditioned to not think, to run away from the emotions. We've labeled the emotions weakness, especially for men. And so we, we it's like society goes, just wants us to self-medicate, whether yeah. it's with substances or television television or entertainment or gaming or sex mm -hmm. like we're trained to not feel and to yeah. run away from our emotions and to just go shopping that's gonna make it all go, just go yeah. shopping <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow that's so true and it's because the society wants to control us right it's because 
They want you to fit in this cog that they've designed for you. Hey, come fit in here and turn the things so that we can make money off of you or we can have all the fun and you just be a cog in a big machine of things. Yeah. All yeah, right. but it's an interesting setup and I don't know how much of it is intentional whether no. there's a handful of people or a thousand people that are in the back in the back in the background pulling the strings of the rest of us but the system that definitely seems to be unfair and yeah. unequal and set up for some to win and the majority for not to for the rest of us not to yeah it's, it's so true it the system that we're carrying on the education system the monetary system all these systems were put in place 150 years ago so they can support the industry, they can create workers and support. But that world is basically shutting down. It's a totally new world. We can be anywhere and do anything that we want. The gig economy that took birth almost a decade ago is flourishing and people can work from any place and make a living that, that they couldn't have imagined be, before that. All right, we're going all sorts of places, but I'd want to come back to share your journey and how you got started and what motivated you, what kept inspiring you and you keep bringing you back because you really wanted to help that one person. And then from that one person became multiple people because when we are of the mindset of the heart that, hey, I want to give everything that I have so my fellow brother, my fellow sister can be a better person and make this world a better place. Like Michael Jackson saying, heal <laughs> the world, make it a better place for yeah. you and for me. Yeah. And you know what? For me at this point, it's a matter of our survival. Like when I look at the world and all the problems that we're facing, just to name a few, just the polarization, the, this push-pull between democracy and autocracy and di dictatorships, um, the environmental resources, this new resurgence in war, and not to mention whatever it is that we have unleashed on the environment, that we're just now beginning to witness the effects of that. Sometimes when I look at all that stuff, terrorism, I just think, what can I possibly do as an individual to make any kind of a difference? So why don't I just go to the beach and eat a lot of dark chocolate and party and have a lot of sex. And then I reel myself back and say, wait a minute, dude, chill. That's not fulfilling. That's not going to fulfill you. That's escapism. And it's not what you're here for. And I know that the only thing that is going to fulfill me is fulfilling my purpose, the reason that I'm here for. So then I say, what can I do? What, how can I support this? How can to support us all to dig ourselves out of this hole yeah. that we have collectively dug ourselves into? And I think of what Einstein said, that you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness in which it was created. So then 100%. I put all those thoughts together. I think about what can I do that's going to help us leap? What's needed is a revolution in consciousness, a leap in consciousness that's going to shift how we see ourselves, how we see each other, and how we see the world, how we see our relationship to nature and to this tiny pebble that's our spaceship that allows yeah. us to get around. Yeah. Um, and that that is really beautiful. Thank you, Christian. It's been 
a lot of joy speaking with you, learning about you, where you're coming from, your mindset, your huge heart of giving of yourself and speaking in ways that are far beyond. And that all comes because of how much energy you've put into this. So thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, Kristen's going to share three hacks to take away. So stick around. We'll be right back. And I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Hey guys, we're back. We've been speaking with Kristen T. La Huerta. He is an amazing speaker. He's a leading voice in the breathwork community, as he mentioned earlier. He's traveled the world, offering inspiring and transformational retreats combining the psychological and spiritual teachings. And just having this short conversation, we can talk for a lot of hours without a doubt, but because but because we have a short time, I want to make sure that we respect each other's times. Kristen, share with us three hacks that my audience can apply in their lives. All right. All right. Here's the first one. Not surprisingly given that I am a leading voice in the breathwork community, <laughs> is use the breath. The breath is our most common, our most loyal, our most faithful companion on this journey of being alive, on this journey of embodiment. So if we learn how to develop a relationship with the breath, it'll be life-changing. So, for example, there, there are swamis in India that have that much control over their body that they can tell the heart to slow down, and it does. Some of them go so deep into that state of being that, that they achieve these states that are almost impossible to distinguish from death. Now, most of us are not, never going to have that level of control over the body, but any one of us, anybody, can slow down the breath. When we slow down the breath, the heart has no choice. The heart has to slow down. And when that happens, the body begins to relax. The, the nervous system begins to quiet down. So as a practice, like if you're stuck in traffic and you start to go there to start getting upset, use your breath, right? Calm, to center yourself, to calm yourself, because it's not going to help anything to get upset on top of being stuck in traffic. Or if you find yourself like in the middle of that argument that's about to go south, 
use your breath, right? Before you react and you say something that you're then going to regret or do something that you're going to regret, take a pause, take a deep breath and bring choice back into the equation, right? Like, how do I want to handle this in a way that's not going to cause harm down the road? Okay, so that's one. And I can talk a lot about the breath, but we'll just leave it at that. I love it. Uh, be present, right? If anything that you can practice to bring yourself present, it's going to, that's what the, that's the secret to inner peace. Because the, there's a part of us, the ego mind that is always stuck in the past, rehashing a past, ruminating about a past that is gone and will never, ever come to be again, or projecting into fantasizing about, hallucinating about a future that may or may not come to be. So we have a really hard time being in the only thing we know is real. That is not a figment of our imaginations or memory, which is the present moment. So anything that you can practice, any mindfulness practice, any meditation practice, and you can do this on your own, right? Just count your breath. You're, while you're driving, count your breath. Like that's going to bring you present. It's going to make a huge difference in your life. And then finally, the third one, I would say learn how to break down your goals into smaller manageable, doable pieces. So when I teach meditation, for example, I would much people often want us like, oh, I'm going to commit to an hour a day for seven days a week. I said, you know what? Reel it back a little bit. I would much rather you commit to 10 minutes a day, mm -hmm. three times a week, start with that. And then those manageable, doable pieces become like self-rewarding rather than setting ourselves up for failure by taking on too much and then we feel like crap and then we develop negative feelings toward you associate negative feelings with those goals i love those those are excellent tips i can definitely use them <laughs> right away i've been practicing breath work a little bit here and there but good just to learn about that i can slow down my heart and really control my emotions that's so part that's so empowering in itself. Yeah. And I would I think I would rather than saying control the emotions, we learn to navigate the emotions. Mm. Because I think part of the problem is that we've been trying to control them, which in most of our cases means not feeling them and stuffing them, yeah. which doesn't work. Because what used to be spiritual teaching that everything is energy. Now we know from quantum physics, that it's all energy. This chair that I'm sitting on, this computer that I'm looking into, my body, the emotions, it's all energy. Yeah. It's all vibration, even if, I'm, if, even if it feels solid. And so we know from physics too that energy can't be destroyed. So all those countless times in our lives that we have stuffed our emotions, that stuff doesn't go away. It gets caught in the tissues of the body and after years and decades and a lifetime of doing that, we walk around with layers and layers upon more layers of yeah. repressed emotional crap. And then here we are trying to have a relationship in the present and all of it is getting filtered through that lifetime of suppressed emotions. Yikes. Yeah. Well, that is a lot. That is definitely a lot for sure. Especially going through those lenses. It's something I didn't think about till now but that yeah. makes sense that's why you got to travel the world you got to meet people from all over the world to cl literally clean that lens up because when you grow up in one society and you just stay in there and not the only thing that 
you're in that echo chamber of the same thing over and over, your mind is then closed and not open because it's not getting the nutrition that it can get from the variety. Yeah, very true. Very true. Dude, I am almost zonked out. I mean, <laughs> my brain's hurting. This was really good. Thank you so much. I'm going to, I'm going to go check out some of your content. I mean, you've been speaking for 30 years. I'm sure there's stuff out there that I can go listen and watch your journey as, as you described it here. So thank you so much for the time that you've spent with us. Of course. And thank you for having me on the show. I've, I enjoyed the ease and how natural the conversation was and, and thank you for having the show because I know that in, in your saying yes to that idea, as a result of that, many lives are being touched and impacted yeah. and improved. So thank you on behalf of all those lives. Absolutely appreciate it. Now, I'd like to jump into the sixth question that I like to ask my guests. All right. You ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Number one, what is the one hobby that you wish you got into? It's not too late, but I'd like to learn how to find out more about how to photography. Take okay. a photography class, learn more about composition and lighting and all that kind of stuff. I love it. I have a little story. When I've, So I've been behind the camera for 30 plus years, film cameras, all sorts of cameras. But then it wasn't until 2013 that my wife got me a DSLR camera. Those things with the interchangeable lenses and everything. I was like, okay, I want to learn everything I everything that I don't know and everything that I do know, correct that. So I took 15 different lessons on lynda.com, which is now LinkedIn Learning. And there was this gentleman, Ben Long, who taught composition, lighting, lenses. I was like, wow, this is so fascinating. If I had taken this class, even before I had the camera, I would understand how cameras work. So it was really fascinating. Huh, I'm going to check it out. What's the guy's name again? His name is Ben Long. Okay. He teaches the foundation of photography. Great. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Next question. What did you want to be when you were a child? I wanted to be a saint. <laughs> my, my parents were very religious, were raised in a very Catholic environment. And so those were the books. A lot of the books yeah. that I had lying around were the lives of the saints. So I grew yeah. up wanting to be a saint. Then a little bit later is when I thought I wanted to be a priest. Okay. Maybe my goals became a more a little bit more realistic. Yeah, I think they did. <laughs> I love it. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Oh man, that's a tough one. All right. A couple I want to say a couple of movies. Okay. Different genres. I love all those superhero stuff and all those action movies. So in that category, I would pick Avatar. Okay because of just the incredible beauty of that world and its mm -hmm. profound message about, about being an expression of and being connected to Gaia or to Mother Nature, whatever you yeah. want to call it, yeah. and the power of that. And then there's another movie, which is a French movie called Diva, yeah. which has an incredible plot, has a romantic subplot, beautiful soundtrack, incredible cinematography. And it's one of these gems that I don't get tired of seeing. Love it. The Avatar, I got to go check out Diva. But Avatar was absolutely a work of art. James Cameron spent a ton of time and I mm. cannot wait for the next movie that's coming out later. 
I think, later this year. I know. And then they're bringing back the original Avatar back to the theaters, which is really cool because, like, hey, this is what you've been missing. Yeah, yeah. Don't miss it. If you haven't seen it, don't miss it. And if you can see a big screen, it's one of those movies that's well worth. Oh, my God. Yeah. See it on IMAX with the best sound system possible. Exactly. I'm just going to have to do that myself because that was over 10 years ago that this movie came out and it still stands against all these other hits. Yeah. Next question. Who is your favorite superhero? Oh, man, that's another tough one. But I'd have to. OK, I'm going to go with two again. Superman and Wonder Woman. OK. Yeah, they are two. They are two very powerful beings, absolutely. And I like. Although I have to say that the message of Black Panther was beautiful. Yes, um, it was. And that world, Wakanda, is wow. I want to live in Wakanda. Amen, amen, brother. <laughs> and I think just later this year we're gonna we're gonna get Wakanda Forever. That's right. Which is basically closing off the phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, we'll see what phase five kicks off around that time. And it's going to be pretty, pretty epic for sure. They have not disappointed me with anything so far. Yeah. Last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? <laughs> That's a funny one. I've never been asked that. If I were a board game. Yeah, the only one that's popping into mind... Two of them are propping into mind from childhood. Parcheesi and what was the other one? Monopoly. Monopoly, which okay. I don't know that Monopoly is what I would want to be. No. But I can't think of a board game that I would want to be. So I guess mm -hmm. I'll have to go with that. Love it. Thank you so much, man. Where can my superpreneurs find you? Uh, the book is titled Awakening the Soul of Power. They can get it. At the local bookstore, you can get it on Amazon. To reach me, probably my website is the best way. And then they can find me on social media from there. My website is soulfulpower.com. S-O-U-L-F-U-L. Power, P-O-W-E-R.com. And for your audience, anybody who goes to my website and gets on my email list, and we know how easy it is to click unsubscribe. If it doesn't work for you, and I promise you, I'm not going to take it personally. And But it, anybody who does get on it will send them a sam sample chapter from the book that talks about what it means to live heroically. You're into superheroes. Oh, yes. So what does it mean to live a heroic life in the 21st century? And then we'll send them some power practices that are designed to help us get clear about our relationship to power. What are our beliefs? Where do we give our power away? And what kind of relationships or situations? And then we'll send them a guided meditation that I created in the midst of the pandemic and the worst of it, uh, which the theme of it is like, how do we find peace, center, in the midst of this world of chaos and uncertainty and fear? Yeah. And thank you so much. Those are a lot of gifts. And guys, please take advantage of these gifts because you're going to come out on top and you just listen to this amazing conversation and you're going to get a lot more of that from, you know, subscribing to the newsletter. So thank you, Christian, for your time, your energy, your wisdom. I can't wait to talk to you again. I look forward to that, Janet, and thanks again for having me. 
Congratulations, you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hexandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hacksandhobbies.com website.